What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 36 of season four. My name is Jim Eichelbone, and I'm joined by Jack Smith and Dave Leonard for the episode. Before we get to our topics, allow me to remind you, if you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, listen to us on Apple Pods, Podcast, Spotify, or Spreaker. Let's also shout out the affiliate sites, fullpresscoverage.com and bellyupsports.com. While you're listening to the episode, check out our site, hwhockey.net, where you can now find the Pod Street Bully podcast and the Time I Skates podcast. Uh, so great stuff there. And if you're if you're into betting, you're into fantasy, you can see uh, Dave's most recent article. Uh, so a lot of good stuff there at over at hwhockey.net. Boys, flyer season has finally, finally come to an end. It's it, like the never-ending season, it felt like. It, essentially, the season was over back in December. Uh, we were put out of our misery last week. The Flyers played their last game Friday night against the Ottawa Senators, where they did lose 4-2. to two. Um, and had us all watching the Seattle Kraken lose to the Winnipeg Jets on Sunday. The Flyers have, what is it, the fourth overall pick or, or the fourth best odds at yeah. the number one overall pick or whatever it is. 9.5% yeah. chance, right? Uh, I'm not sure exactly about the percentage, but I felt like the bottom three were in a tier of its own where you couldn't fall too far. That fourth, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, but Hacksaw does Hacksaw things, giving up a two-goal lead in the third just to screw the Flyers. Uh, you know, you get what you you get what you pay for, and uh, here we are. Yep, Dave, are you relieved that the season's finally done? Dude, I'm I was so exhausted from doing post game shows. <laughs> HW Night was <laughs> exhausting. So, what a lot of people don't know is Dave actually said the phrase first. Uh, this season took years off my life. That came from Dave, <laughs> not not Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> well. <laughs> If it weren't for the guests that I was getting to come on that were responding, which were awesome, uh, I was like, I, don't, I, like, I didn't even want to like do the show. Like, when I had nobody coming on, I was like, I don't even want to go do the show right now. Well, it, it got tough, right? Like, well, yeah. let's talk about this a little bit. Like, we do have topics to get to and whatnot, but like, let's talk about this for a little bit because, yeah, the Flyers went through their second worst season ever. The organization was frankly terrible this season. But like, what about us? Like, we cover the team, right? Like. How do we feel? Um, Dave, this was your first season uh, on with us at HW. Was it everything that you expected and more? Like, <laughs> like, 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 welcome. Like, how was your first season covering, covering the Flyers? Like, what was it like for you? I mean, so what we should do is we should go back and get the first couple episodes that Dave was on when it was, remember that Jack? Yeah. It was just all I was there. Like, I was doing it with him. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on guys. Like, it's not that bad. They got Atkinson. They got this guy. And he was like, you know what? I really like Dave. Very positive guy. How are you feeling now, Dave? They, they beat me down over the next four months. <laughs> People wonder why we're, we are the way we are. Me and Jim were texting about you. Like, yeah, like, like he brings in that positivity. We need that around here. Uh, I didn't really question myself where did it go from me and you're a perfect example of exactly where it went just just beat me that the, the funniest thing i think was my friends like you know it's, i have a good support group they know what i'm you know trying to pursue this you know it's like a career and do things i have a good group of guys and uh like my cousin and my friend like we're in like a group chat and they're like dude like is it your fault for the season like, <laughs> like yeah. you decide to go do this this year and this is the season we have they're like you know maybe just go back to jail bro <laughs> You know, I got you're like the I'm only saying this because you had him on, but you're like the opposite of Lou Nolan. Lou Nolan's first couple seasons with the team was like they were Raw Street bullies and with some cops. This is going to be easy. This is great. You're like the exact opposite. Worst season in the Flyers history. I think I know there's a couple of uh, other seasons up for debate with that one. And I think it was given the expectations. I think this was it. I think this was just as bad as it could get. When you take into account all the off ice stuff as well, I think this was it. Yeah, this this was absolutely brutal. It was just so hard to be positive. I try to be so optimistic all the time with everything. Like direct, just in life, I try to be positive and optimistic. And there were so many times where I'm like, oh, I have to go to HW at night. Right now. <laughs> yeah, what, what do you mean to have a back to back? I just did this last night. I can't do oh it again. My, oh my yo. Break? I had like there was like two or three times they had four games in six nights. And by the time <laughs> I got to the fourth game, I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> even jim was texting me like hey man like are you okay <laughs> maybe you should take a break <laughs> like, this has been a lot. <laughs> it gets it, it got it's it was tough this was uh i mean jack we've been doing this this is our fourth season 
covering the Flyers, and it's uh, it's been fun. But the team has not been great, really, at, at any point. They were they were really good for like a month or two under Elaine Vigneault a couple years back. But other than that, it's it's been a lot of not great things. Uh, so I'll ask you. I mean, even comparing it to the last, the first three seasons, how was this season for you, Jack? Like, uh, how do you feel? Like it's finally done. Like, are you beaten down? Are you the same way? Like. I got the I got the sense that I mean you came into every show still excited the enthusi- the enthusiasm to do the show was there I don't know if the enthusiasm to talk about the flyers like how could it be um, how do you feel I felt like you know I was passionate about my therapy session for the week you know what I mean yeah. like yeah four, four you said we'd be covering the team four years it's four head coaches as well like we're averaging really well and next year will be fifth and it'll be a fifth head coach so i mean we're doing great you know um I'm, I'm just saying like this is the first year in the history of washington team and i'm going back to like i know i was like you know like a little kid but like 92 91 you know and we've gone through some bad seasons but this is the first year i've ever was angry with them, like legitimately furious. I'd be the guy always being like, no, they'll be better. People throw it in my face all the time now. All the kids are coming, right? Like they always throw that in my face. And it's like, I was that guy. I was like, yeah, yeah. well, they're, re- they're doing this or they're rebuilding or they're they're changing some stuff. That there's some changeover with roster and some upper management guys. Now it was like all done. It was time to go. And we liked what we saw in those two months you're referring to. We gave last year, got a pass because of COVID and how screwed up that was and whatnot. And this year there were no excuses. And I know we're going to probably say the injury thing, and it is true when you see the the man lost to games or whatnot. But when I look at their expectations and how before they had as many injuries as they did, um, they were starting – the cracks were showing. They were falling to pieces. I believe the goaltending and the penalty kill even was holding this team up for the – first couple months of the season and then everything hit the fan. And once Vigneault got canned, you knew it was back in for a really long, tough season. But then this is also the first year the off the ice stuff really was like, can this, can you stop? Like I have to worry about them playing night to night and doing a show and whatnot. And knowing the season's over, but now I have to somehow talk about this off the ice crap that we've never had to deal with before. Like, what is this? This is a whole new monster. And it was like, you just couldn't escape the negativity no matter where you went. And that really made me angry because what happened to this historic franchise? Like overnight, they just became an absolute dumpster fire joke. Jack, what are you going to do when, when they stop rebuilding it? Like if they ever do, aren't going to be in a rebuild. Like, like, what are you going to do? Like, I, I feel like you uh, always are pro rebuilds. Like, what are you, you going to do if they're actually like po- successful? Nonstop poking the bear. So, <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up. I have a question for you, Dave. I have a question for you. And if you answer this question, I'll be very impressed. Okay. I want you to tell me when the flyers last rebuild. When they last rebuild their most recent rebuild. When was that? I don't know if they've ever rebuilt. Exactly. They traded Braden Coburn away. That was it. They did. They, they stuck with Forcheck and, and Giroux and Hexall refused to bring in any talent until his last year. He brought in JVR. He did draft. He did use his draft picks, but that for was what it. his use his draft picks for what? Come on. He drafts Provorov and Konechny and obviously Nolan Patrick and players of that nature, but he didn't rebuild rebuilds stripping it down, getting all the picks and building it back up. He never burnt it down. He just stayed in the mud. Hey, just stayed right in purgatory there. Shout out back to my own show again. The very first episode of HW at Night was me, Jack, and Bill Meltzer. And we discussed rebuild. And Bill Meltzer said, well, if we do a real true rebuild, it's eight to ten years. You want to commit oh a God. decade to this shit? <laughs> I don't think. If, if you are if you have a guy like, and I'm not saying they hang on trees here, or grow on trees rather, but like Stevie Eisman, that ain't taking no eight to ten years. Like that team's already on the up and up. And as good as Detroit, what like as better as they've been this year compared to previous years, they fired the coaching staff. So like this isn't good enough. We were better than this. Like good for them. You know, good for having some balls. You know, we're just sticking with the same status quo, the same guys. Oh, uh, what Yao got fired. Oh wow, look at us. Here he we go. Get, he didn't get he fired. He got pr- he got promoted. Fletcher's still promoted. hanging around. Like come on. He got promoted. And what we need, yeah. what, what we need, we need Holmgren back. So we need, I want a Homer with his finger on the button again. 
So uh, we can finally talk about this now. So we were kind of keeping something under wraps for a while there. I think we maybe mentioned it last week, but there was a very strong rumor for, I don't know, when when did we first start talking about it, guys? Like maybe Jeez, three, four uh, weeks ago? The first time you talked about like a nuclear, like that? Yeah. I mean, I think you first told me about it a month and a half ago. Yeah. So, and and this thing, it really, it really caught on like if if you kind of you know went around asking people about this i would say 50 50 whoever i would ask had heard that it was going to be a thing uh and and what we're referencing is um flyers were going to clear house in the front office and and paul holmgren was going to kind of take the reins back and um, lead the head coaching search and this and that and i think it was uh ecklin that i think it was two days ago, I believe. Was it? What's today? Wednesday. Yesterday was Fletcher. So yesterday, I think he actually put out his article, Eklin, um, and basically repeated the same things that that uh, Dave Scott was going to step down, um, Paul Holmgren was going to step forward and take on a larger role, Chuck Fletcher was either going to be promoted to president of hockey or or fired, um, things like that. We had heard that Valerie Camilla was going to be fired. Um, and now it, it, the, the whole entire Flyers coaching staff was going to be uh, replaced. Uh, and it, it proved not to be true. And I, and I, I think once Eklund posted that article, he jinxed the entire thing. So we can all be angry at, at Eklund for that. Because <laughs> as soon as he puts it out, you know, you know it's not happening, right? Yeah. Um, and that, that's kind of like the running joke, right? Hey, what, what's the only, the only rumor Eklund ever called – like legit called was like the flyers traded for Nick Grossman back in the day. Like oh that, like that was it. Like, and it, and I remember seeing it when you sent it, I was kind of like, my heart sank a little bit. Like if somebody is in on the joke and it's not Eklund, it's whoever told Eklund. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, ah, oh. and it caught on originally because it made perfect sense. Yeah. Nobody's doing their job. Right. You have this horrible of a season heads normally roll in normal organizations, Dave Scott's a, what, what good is he, you know, like, come on. And it's just, it, when you have a colossal fail like that on and off the ice and with the McCrossin thing being not just the nail in the coffin, but a pretty significantly bad nail in the coffin. How do you recover from that? You don't, this makes too much sense. So to find out it's all BS and Yal was let go. It's like, Oh my God, we're never going to get out of this cr- dumpster fire. I'm trying to keep it PG best I can. Is, uh, is Torchetti sticking around? Uh, they didn't even mention him, did they? Dude, I hope, he, I, hope he, I hope he sticks around. I ran into his nephew in Nashville. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> I have his number and shit now, so I, I could probably get him on the show. Direct line, <laughs> let's go. I want Twitchetti to stick around. <laughs> better use it quick just in case. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do because they never actually came out and uh, I don't think they officially fired Mike. Yo. They kind of left the door open. No, he's promoted. He's getting elevated. Well, well, they said he's definitely not coming back as head coach, but they never yeah, said no, he's, he's gonna, not going to be with us. He's, gonna be the he's allowed to explore other options at this time, and they just haven't closed the door to having him back. He's going to come out. He's going to come back as a special assistant to yeah. the personal assistant of the executive assistant to Danny Breer. Well, it's like who's going to want Mike Yo after what he's been through here? Like who can who can look at what he's done and be like, you know what? just had a bad shake there i I will say all the players came out and have a ton of respect for him and and if the locker room respects you that does count for something in professional sports but you know know, it's true true. but it's this locker room so how much respect does that hold Hmm. i mean fair i mean it reminds me like charlie manuel like before they won the world series like people were all over charlie manuel that he that he wasn't maximizing the talent that he was just a good old boy he's better as a hitting coach than an actual manager and the players kept coming to his defense all the time like no this guy we want to play for that stuff and then they won the world series and now charlie manuel's beloved you know philadelphia sports figure i'm not i'm not saying yo's gonna be like that but when the players want to play for you and will openly defend you it usually means something like andy reed's guys there's there's very few players across the NFL that'll, that'll speak bad about Andy Reid that have played for him because like, he's just a player's kind of coach. Like it, it was a running joke actually when he was there that he would come up to the press conference. He'd always be like, Nope, it's on me. I got to put the players in a better position to succeed. I got to do this. I gotta do that. Yeah. Like, so but when the players respect you, it's got to count for something. So I actually agree with you. The only thing is, and this is why we bring up um, uh, Tortorella 
is the players coach worked with the Phillies, with the Eagles for the most part. Um, this team, it's not working. You know, I mean, it, well, the, uh, I wouldn't even call Vigneault a players coach at all, but I think we want uh, Tortorella because we need to get rid of the, the soft-minded guys. Like, at least that's the way I view it. I know a lot of guys want it for other reasons, but like this team really showed that they're – mental fortitude is not very strong at all. Certain players in particular. And Jim, I don't want to jump the gun, but when it comes to exit interviews, there was a few people that it was a little jarring to hear what they had to say. Ah, you're not jumping the gun at all. Let's uh, uh, get right into it here. So notable player exit interview comments. The first one that comes to mind, Jack, is? Ivan Provorov. Yes. Go ahead. I almost said something that I'm glad I didn't. Um, pretty much when asked about his play, he, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, just said, the, you're gonna, you guys are going to tell me how I played. You guys knew everything. No matter what I say here, you're going to go write whatever you're going to write. So pretty much pulled the, the uh, PG version of Voracek and Sielski, you know. So, uh, yeah, he was – and this is after all the speculation that he might not want to be here, which is further – shows that we might have more issues where a lot of people are thinking, Oh, we'll have another aggressive retool and we'll be back. And like certain guys, they even want to be here. Like, where do we sit with this? So, um, that was, um, a little jarring to hear in the sense that I understand his frustration, but at the same time, I think he needs to get more, be more mature. Now he did go through a hell of a season, but a lot of, a lot of stuff was on him. I think we had a lot better, expectations for overall, especially when he was drafted. I thought he would be a number one. I expected him to be a number one. I didn't think he'd be that intingent on his partner to the point where it's like, wow, he almost needs to be sheltered with his partner. I mean, that's a little dramatic, but the season was that bad. Nick Lidstrom was the comparison when we drafted Provorov. Nick Lidstrom is what they thought he could be. Uh, saying that we know that's the absolute top ceiling. Um, but yeah, he's he'd be lucky to be what like a Nicholas Cronwell. I'm trying to think of another decent <laughs> Red Wings defenseman. Like it's it's nothing right now. He's got a lot to live up for. Yeah, he logs a lot of minutes. Yeah, he does a lot of things right. But if you're uh, logging minutes and not doing anything, like yeah, I, I was just getting around that. Like if you're just you're play that much on a team that's that bad. That's why people are so like, oh look, Shane Gossesbear. Can't believe we got rid of him. Like. Yeah, he scored a lot of points. He also played a lot of minutes and is still like a minus player on the worst team in the league. So are we really going to lose our mind over this? Yeah, like, but I but I think Shane Gossiber's comments um, spoke volumes to what this culture is like here in Philadelphia. They asked him in like an uh, interview, and he was talking about how like he loves playing there in Arizona. He loves the coaching staff there. He goes, he goes, I enjoy coming to the rink again. He goes, this is just, this is where I want to be. It's fun to play hockey again. I'm having a good time. Like this is, this is what I need to do. This, this is, I'm happy to be here. And that's a big deal coming from Philadelphia, which is supposed to be a premier franchise in the league. Like this is supposed to be, you know, one of the elite franchises. And he went to Arizona, who's about to go play at a 5,000 seat college stadium for the next three years. And he goes, this is where I want to be. I'd rather not be in Philadelphia. I'd rather be here. Like that speaks volumes to, to where this organization has fallen. Now, I, I definitely agree with you. But at the same time, I think it, a lot of that with, with the ghosts was the, the pressure. I think a lot of that was the pressure. Like he, he think about it, how things are here in Philly. Good or bad, you're under a microscope constantly. See, see, I disagree with it being the pressure. I think it's the coaching staff. This coaching staff, not just this one, Hackstall, AV, like they all wanted players to play this two-way game. It's the whole Flyers development staff. They don't let skilled players be skilled players. They want a whole roster of checking forwards and checking defensemen. That's all you're supposed to be here. They don't let these players play to their strengths. And I think that's the biggest thing. When, when no, I do, I actually agree with you about that. 100%. Yeah. So when Gossip Bear goes to Arizona, they said, look, you know what? You're right. You know, there's no expectations here. Go be you. Go be you, man. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to tell you to go back here and check the, you know, throw your body around or keep sliding, blocking shots. You know what you're good at? You're good at creating offense. You're good at scoring goals. You're good at creating the, the, the breakout. Go do that. Go do you. Like that's what you need. You they they hand they cut him off at the knees, right? And I mean th that's not wrong. And I do think that's why he flourished in a place like Arizona that has no expectations and probably won't for a while. I think that's perfect for place for a player like him. At the same time, to your point, 
Our next coach, I certainly hope, is a guy who plays to his players' strengths. Yeah. I do not want any square pegs and round holes. I know I've said that so many times, but I could not be more serious about that. You saw Montreal that like um, Marty St. Louis takes over and does not really have a system. He plays to his players' strengths. All of a sudden, Call Colfield took right back off. Yes. It started scoring like crazy. I mean, that maybe that's there's something to that. I like some kind of system, but nothing that you're absolutely married to. Nothing where you force players to be what they're not. Now we're getting to something. Now we're on to something. And I think that potentially, and this is why we all think this next head coach is going to be huge, is definitely the way to go. And then we'll figure out the rest of the roster from there. But it's definitely a way to go. And um, I'm hoping that this team isn't too far gone and lost for that to happen. Uh, but again, this is all going to come down to the coach first before anything else happens. And it's going to be huge. Without a doubt, man. And honestly, th- th- there can't be too much cleaning house because of the contracts we have. Like a lot of these guys are sticking around no matter what. Oh yeah. Well, more so bringing in, like, you're not, if, if the coach comes in, it's like, it may want a certain kind of player or something like that. Not that, yeah. you know, there's many obvious or non-obvious choices. Uh, I can't see a coach coming in and be like, Oh, Johnny G. No, I don't want him. Uh, I can't see that. But like, you never know. You just typically get the coach before you start making all those offseason moves. And and they should. They should bring the coach in first. That that that's at the precedent without a doubt. Right. Um all right. Let's um so I, I have the quotes here from Provorov. Do you guys so what if we tried something different? Uh-oh. So what if what if I asked you guys the questions that were asked to Ivan Provorov from the media? And uh, you guys give me your answer. <laughs> and then so I'll read. Do I answer as the, what the correct answer is? Or do no, I answer you, how Provorov would have, should no, have you, answered? No, you give your, give your own answer. And then, and then we'll, I'll read Provorov's answer after. And just to show how, just to right, show right. how badly he, he destroyed it. He didn't have to answer the way he did. So, so you want um, me to answer professionally? Yeah, well, yeah, just well, just you don't want to answer like a fan who's angry with Provorov. All right, so here, here, here's the thing. No, no, not that you're angry with Provorov. So okay, okay. You, you can hear. So let's do this like this. Jack, you give your the honest opinion, truth, and Dave, you answer it in a way <laughs> where you're a professional athlete, and all you need to do is answer the question and not give anything away and not give anybody anything to write about. How about that? All right, I'm I'm the professional athlete. Yeah, and and, and Jack's like the raw, just the raw, like just right, answer the right. question. Here's what actually happened. <laughs> all right, all right. So, uh, Jack, or, or let's start with Dave first. Dave, how would you evaluate your season personally overall? So, to uh, quote one of my professional athlete idols, "I'm just here so I don't get fined." <laughs> and that's as easy as it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> dude i'm just here because i have to be here you could have not said i mean go ahead. all right let me ask jack now all right so you guys are, are pretending that you're 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 pro overall but like you know uh, all right so ready jack yeah how would you evaluate your season personally overall i think it was one of if not my worst professional season uh as a philadelphia flyer uh definitely at the top of the depth chart uh, I do think it's concerning that I uh, need a partner with me. My four games with Ryan Ellis were pretty good. After that, it was hit or miss, as were much of my plays, as was much of my attitude, as was much as um, the attendance. Um, I showed up, I played, I did the best I could, uh, but uh, the frustration definitely got to me, and I made maybe put a little too much on myself, uh, but it definitely didn't bold good results. And I'm going to need some help next year. Okay. So before I even get to what he actually said, you could almost, if, if Ivan Provorov answered in that way, you could almost sympathize with him a little bit. Right? Like he's better than what he actually said. You could <laughs> really? be like, man, this guy, like, yeah, he's right. He had a tough year and I'm sure it weighed on him. And it was a very crappy season overall. <laughs> Taking accountability, acknowledging, hey, I got to work on some stuff, understanding the stress, the emotion got to him. Dude, I'd be like, I'm like, yeah, I go through that shit at work all the time, man. I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I, I got you. <laughs> yeah. Right. You didn't just have a I, bad I day wanna, or a bad I week. Respond too professionally. I wanted to keep it, you know, here's what happened. And that's that. <laughs> and that would have been fine. Instead, this is what Ivan Provorov said. 
to how would you evaluate your season personally overall? I mean, no matter what I say, you guys are going to give me your own grades. It doesn't matter. You're all experts in hockey, so you're going to give me your all super experienced grades. I don't think my opinion matters too much to you guys. Super experienced, not just experienced, super, super experienced. experienced. Quite possibly. I mean, honestly, the only thing worse would have been if you just told everybody to F off. Like, honestly, that may, have been, that may have been better, actually. Go, I'm pissed yeah. off. F you, I'm out of here. Like, That's what it was. In three sentences, you told everyone to F off. Yeah. You didn't have to say that. If you asked me, super experienced. So, follow-up question from Jordan Hall here, and <laughs> we'll do this again. Um, so, Dave's going to give the professional – uh, answer where, yeah, we might not really give you a story here. Follow-up question. You think the media was too hard on you this year? You know, you guys have a job to do. I, I respect that. I have a job to do too. So hopefully next year's get better. We have to, you know, everybody has a, a team, a franchise. We can do more to be better. Easy enough, right? Just yeah. <laughs> how hard just copy, was that? Just copy and paste that from every other <laughs> answer. <laughs> right. Like the hockey players, that's all they do is give the cliche, oh, we got to cycle the puck. We got to play hard yeah. along the boards. Yeah, Why yeah. now do you feel like you need to be um, candid or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, I, I will say that, though. I actually generally <laughs> like when, when hockey players show emotion. It's one of my biggest critiques about I, hockey I, players. I they have no. They have no emotion most of the time. Yes, that's true. Just, that's definitely yeah. true. Dude, like, so I understand why we're killing Provorov as far as building a winning culture, but I have no problem with the player going out there like, you know what, I can't stand any of you people. And, and part of it might be because we we feel like he's got one foot out the door, at least in his head, and which well, might make you feel differently. But I agree. They they tend to give you the bland, which I killed him for. Which I killed Fletcher for with a stupid press conference. Like, you know, it's all that stuff you expect to hear. It's like, why did I waste my time? So when you get something different – I don't want to kill him too much, but he did come off a little too whiny for me. Oh just no, he, he definitely did. But I just, you know, I respect the fact that he. Showed I hear some you. Emotion. I, yeah, I hear you. On I that. mean, listen, but our top defensive pair from starting the season has one foot out the door. Both of them. They, neither one of them wants <laughs> to be here. Like they're both leaving. Like one's they don't want to be here. A hip, a joint, and a whatever the hell else is wrong with him out the door. He's going. He, he's he's going somewhere in the middle of an island in the middle of nowhere to meet with a shaman and, and rehab with them this summer and see if it gets better. <laughs> Jesus. Um, okay, let me uh, let's ask Jack now. the The honest answer here from Jack Provorov. Um, so, you think the media was too hard on you this year? Uh, the media is too hard on us every year. It's honestly the media's job to be hard on us, win or lose. Um, uh, but after two historically bad seasons, if the media wasn't hard on us, they should all be fired. We deserve everything we got this year and more. Easy enough, right? Yeah, didn't. So, so I don't know. Well, those answers would have been acceptable if he had said. That. <laughs> right, I he mean, made a he made a meal of, it and he gave everyone something to talk about, something to write about. Like if you don't want to see your name getting drugged through the mud on social media, don't say stupid stuff. Don't do stupid things. Play stupid games, get stupid stupid answers. Like we eat that go, stuff up. Just go to Wildwood and get drunk with a bunch of random chicks. Like just, those were the days, right? And like, lock yourself in, like like Carter did when he got traded. Just lock all the doors and turn your phone off. Dude, dude, Carter and Richie just go down to the shore and get drunk all the time with random chicks, and nobody gave a shit. Like, just, just, just go do that. Dudes. Yeah. Okay, like, dude, if you, man, I don't even know if if you guys were making that kind of money as a professional athlete, would you be on TikTok? Like, that would be the last thing that I'd be doing. Like, I would be in a lot of bad things if I was that young and had that much money. Yeah, that's, I, I agree. If I uh, if I did it that young, like if I was like 21 and signed like some kind of like $6 million a year contract, I'm not entirely sure I would have made it to 27. Like, <laughs> like, well, I, wouldn't, I would not be worried about what some nerds are saying about me on the computer. Yeah. That's for damn sure. You know what Dude, I mean? I, I would definitely need some like big brother advisor, like like an actual yeah. like mentor. Like, like I have to reach out to somebody like, you know. I don't know, like maybe someone like a former, like maybe Paul Holmgren. Like, hey, listen, Mr. Holmgren, like, you know, I'm going to need help. Yeah, I just got all this money. What do you think I should do? You know, could I have like your number, like more like a sponsor, like somebody I can call when I'm about to make a really bad decision? Then they used to have those in the NFL. Like they, they would yeah. assign them to, to, to rookies or players. Oh, uh, I think so. The money management so. people. Do they still have that where they like the assign them like a, an Uber or whatever when they go out? This way they don't drive home drunk and all that. 
Dude, which I, is I actually need, a really good idea. I it would is. need all of that, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a stretch or two. Maybe dragging me out of a gentleman's club at 1.45 in the morning every night, <laughs> like every single night. You better have a wheelchair in that van or whatever the hell it is because I need it. All right, let's uh, let's move on a little bit here. That was well, fun. What did Krovov actually say to that question? Oh, let me see. He said... Uh, it started all the way at the top. It started over. Hang on. Bear with me for a second. I must have X'd out by accident. He said uh, it wasn't a terrible response, but it was a follow-up to the question before, and that's why it was asked. So Provorov's response was, no, I don't need anyone to write a glory story about me. You all have your opinion, and I have my opinion. Once again, kind of like, That's not terrible. No. Uh, but I mean, like, dude, like, go back and watch the tape on yourself. There's no way. How old is Provorov? Like, what is he? Like twenty-five? Like twenty-fifth? Well, what? Well, Sandheim is twenty-six. He's probably a little bit younger. So yeah, 25, 24, 25, 25 probably. Hey, man, um, he's still he's still. That answer so tells me that he thinks he's better than the shit he's reading or hearing. Which 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 you good. want him to have that? Yeah, but, yeah you want yeah. him to. Yeah, yeah, I want him to have a chip on his shoulder. And man, like, dude, he has so much like. Uh, it's gonna, it's it's gonna kill me if if we get rid of him and he goes on to have like a Zdeno Charo type career. Mm-hmm. Like it's gonna drive me insane. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just what irks me is like when he the team was young and he was young and there was mistakes. Everybody and their mother made excuses for him. He was on NHL Network like two three years in. Not him perfect. Uh, personally but the they were saying he's got a shot to win the norris this year like he had plenty of support he had plenty of the fans backing and we had two historically bad seasons and now we're the bad guys or the media but i feel like we're all grouped together because we're all critics you know it's like it's our fault like come on man like take some ownership you know, lift a little bit i know you're playing with justin braun but like a lot of people like really respect what ross uh, justin braun did and you're getting the other shit out of that stick. So, like, come on. What is there no accountability at yeah. all? Like, come I mean, on. And we, I mean, and Braun's been around the league for a long time, man. Like, you should you should respect that longevity. You know what I mean? Like, as a young player, you know, you should be like, Yeah, I'm playing with a guy that's been around for 15 plus years. Like, that's like there should be a certain level of respect there. I, I don't know, man. I just man, there's just so much potential. It, it's gonna destroy me if you go somewhere else. He, he might have just been done with it all. And maybe I'm yeah. being too harsh. He might have just been like, I don't you- even need to be here right now. Like I've done dealt with this last year, this year, all year. I'm not going to tell you something else so you can write your own thing. You know, he might just be like, I don't feel like answering you honestly. But if he is to be taken at his word and that that uh, answer to the comment that you said, Jim, where you have your opinion and I have mine, that tells me that maybe he doesn't think he had as bad as a season as he did. Which, yeah, Ooh. I want to have confidence, but at the same time, you have to be somewhat self aware. You know, yeah. I feel like you really do. Yeah, but I'd rather overconfidence than somebody that's unsure of themselves. Like I'm not like you can rein in confidence and arrogance a little bit. You know, I mean, you can rein that in to 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 bring somebody out to like to bring it out of them. I think it's more difficult. So right, you know what? You don't know I'm too down on themselves where they yeah. like, forget how to play, and it's it's the worst with pitchers in baseball because they just don't trust their pitches. You know, but yeah. like for for something like this, I I have to agree. I guess that's good, but at the same time, if he's like feels that way and decides, well, fuck this, I don't want to be here now. Which we thought we caught wind of, then worst Flyers fans are screwed regardless. Yeah, Jack said the first fuck, by the way. You get three. <laughs> you get one left. There's only one left. So, like, a good follow up question would have been, would be, I mean, well, I guess they asked it originally, but like, what, what is your opinion of your play? Like, it's, it's a secret or what? Like, do you think you played well? Like, you had a good season? You don't want to tell us? Like, what is it? Like, 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 really? Like, what was the issue? Because do you feel like, you know, the team had a, a horrible year overall. Do you think you did all you could to prevent that from happening? Um, and it's really like, what's he going to say? Yeah, I did. Or like, I could have been better. Or like, I was paired with a third pairing defenseman for the for the however long season in a, in a row, second season in a row. Um, if he said that, I'd have done it. I like him. You're not wrong. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> but I, I mean. Have you guys talked to Yandel yet? Like, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Keith, yeah. Keith, Keith's up next, right? Like Keith's coming out here next, right? Yeah, yeah. You guys are gonna ask him the same stuff or no? Yeah, he, he's gonna get the same questions, right? <laughs> Yandel didn't actually speak, though, right? Like, uh, I don't, I don't remember. Uh, I don't think he spoke. Uh, I mean, I'm sure he probably feels some kind of way about getting scratched and ending his streak, and then having to play the very next night. Yeah. Like, dude, so we I would have been pissed. Dude, I would have been livid. 
I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like you so freaking dumb. I'm like, we were, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, we were, you're scratching me because of poor play. You're going to ruin my streak. And then I got to play 24 hours later. Yeah. Fuck out of here. You know, <laughs> we're out of the playoffs by 28 games, right? Like, what is the point of this? Yeah. That's what Nick I said. Steeler? Are you serious? Dude, like, scratch either scratch him like two months ago yeah. or just let the man fucking play. And yeah, I don't know what And like, Mike Rupp came out and had a whole thing about, like, hey, if he's not earning his ice time, he's not playing well enough, he sh- you know, shouldn't be out there. That's fair enough. But he hadn't been earning his ice time for three months. Yeah, we, that, 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 like, we were committed at that, that point. point. Died months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Died we months were ago. Committed okay? at we, that we all felt that way. When we were still in the playoff contention, we were still weren't falling off the tracks. And then a little bit afterwards, we still kind of felt that way. And then we were just like, you know what? It's just, it is what it is. There's just let them go. Yeah. And so to do it when they did it was idiotic. And then they put them right back in the lineup. Yeah, like, right now, like, oh in. my God. But that's the other thing. It's like, who'd they put in for him? Nick Sealer. And then they put him in the next night as well. It's like, this is so stupid. I can't even fathom it. I hope he does a Chicklets episode and explains everything that happened there. I hope he rips us to shreds. I really do. We were waiting for him to come out uh, Friday night as like the last person in the uh, press conference because it's potentially his last, most likely his last game. Hmm. You figure you're going to hear from Keith Yandel, right? Like guys got the Iron Man streak, blah, blah, blah. Uh, So we, we waited like 10 minutes for the last guy to come before we were notified. Hey, that's it. No one else is coming. So we were told that Yandel was going to speak the next day, and he—I guess he just declined. Like I, I'm going to scroll through that, but I'm. I guess the season's over. So screw this. Yeah, I, he's in retirement mode now. He's done. I was so I—I I hope that he kind of goes on chicklets and maybe explains a little bit what happened there. Like if he is a little bit, you know, there is some animosity there. I, I would have been. Living, I, I wouldn't have played that next night. He I know. I think about money. that myself. Yeah, yeah, he made enough money and all. He don't. He doesn't need that. And they were like, "Oh yeah, we're putting you in the lineup tonight." I'm like, "No, you're not." <laughs> yeah, no, I'm you not better go play. find one of those kids you guys were talking about that you yeah, wanted yeah, to I wasn't good enough last night. You know what happened? Yeah, all yeah. Of a sudden, now, overnight, now, I got better. Yeah, now I'm good enough, man. No, like, no, you're not. I'm like, absolutely not. You know, what? No, I heard he had a a really good streak going of speaking to the media, and he decided to end it that night. Uh, he was done. So it yeah. is what it is. Talk to the next guy. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not seeing his name here. So as soon as, soon as they benched me, I would have bought a, a one way ticket to like you know Spain or you know some vacation resort in, in Europe. They the Flyers would have called me every day. Hey man, we, we need you for this game. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Spain. Yeah, I'm busy. Like absolutely not. <laughs> I'm in a Bifa or whatever it's called. I'm on the beach with some babes. You guys want me to come play hockey? The, Get the hell wait, out of here. Wait, yeah. And here's the context of that if they were in like playoff contention and they were truly trying to win every game for better seating and to make a run at the cup and they benched him. I think it would have made perfect sense. And I think he would have understood it. Like, yeah, no, we're trying to win. I want to win a cup too. I get it. I'm not playing great right now. Let me cool off for a bit. Let me rest a little bit. I got a ton of miles on this tread. I do want to be able to help this team. You know what I mean? I think he would have understood it. This team was going nowhere. And he should have been sense. benched three months ago. So and at this point, like, you know what I mean? Like, he, there's no reason not to let him stay out there. Right. And it, well, he wasn't benched for a kid either. He's benched for Nick Sealer. Nick Sealer. Nick, he yeah. should have went to Spain the second he got benched. So when they yeah. called and said, you're in the line tomorrow, he goes, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Europe, bud. Like, yeah. like sorry. Like, what are you going to do? Fire me? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, the locker should have been cleaned out. You could just let the resignation letter on Chuck's desk. He just had that dog shit on his his locker. Like, there you go. There's my jersey. Yeah. <laughs> put that in the lineup. So, speaking of Fletcher. Sorry, just kicked my dog by accident. You speaking of Fletcher, let, let's kind of touch on his uh, uh, after the season press conference here, and then we'll get to uh, some of the playoff matchups for tonight. What did you guys think of what Chuck Fletcher had to say? Was it was it everything that you expected, or or was it – was it unexpected in the sense that you thought that, you know, maybe there was going to be more bombs dropped, maybe more heads kind of rolling, and there really wasn't. We could start with Jack first. Even if Eklund didn't let that go about the drop, the bombs being dropped, just seeing him sit there, I knew it was it was over. He was willing to fire himself. Uh, I was shocked that Yao wasn't extended. That that blew my mind. No, that was uh, that was ob- the obvious way to start off the press conference, but. Um, he seemed like a guy who didn't know 
really like at points where what direction to take the team like are you going to aggressive rebuild rebuild retool uh we're going to do both i think we're going to do a little bit of this a little bit of that that's <laughs> kind of like uh this is the first time he didn't have like a definitive response we're going to win now like it, the first time he didn't have anything like that he kind of was like I don't know. Is he unsure of who's staying and who's going? What's what he can get in the off season? And he was unsure of that question as he was of resigning Giroux. Like when that got brought up, even though in his mind, he might've had that made up, but his answer didn't tell me that. Like he seemed very unsure of himself. Uh, excuse heavy. I heard injuries mentioned at least four times. Um, and it was other than that, it was, it was status quo, basic. Uh, we're going to answer questions, tell you what went wrong that we all already know. Uh, none of the off ice stuff was mentioned, which I guess is understandable, although uh, still a massive issue. Um, and uh, outside of not having a clue which way he wanted to go with the team, um, or at least a definitive view, it was pretty much what you expect, which was team speak. Yeah. Dave, did you get a chance to see any of that? So, the one thing I'll give Chuck Fletcher is that he was brought in because they wanted somebody that would have a bias for action. That was that was the whole thing when they brought him in, somebody that's going to make a move now. And I think he made those moves. Like It's hard to think back before the season, but there was a ton of optimism for this team at the start of the season. And yet, injuries are an excuse. But I think he did what he was supposed to do. He tried to make the team better today to win right now. Um. So I think he did his job so far as that that's what he did. He came in, he had a bias for action, he took action, brought in veteran players to make this team better right now. It just didn't work out for him. Um, so based on where this direction this team's going to go, I don't think he should be here just because I think it needs to, it, it does it's not going to be an immediate fix. It this is is going to be to to side with Jack to go team rebuild here. It needs to be a teardown thing if that's how we're going to do this. And he's not the guy for that job. Okay. Interesting that you're now siding four, with Jack. Four, hold on, hold on. You got him. Two minutes and 31 seconds. <laughs> that's that the clip that's going out tomorrow. Episode <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Well, I mean, uh, so here's my thing. Do I fault Chuck Fletcher for the way things have played out? If I'm going to fault him anywhere, it's for doing nothing last year and putting himself in the position where he needed to make the moves he made last offseason for this year. You know what I mean? Instead of um, gradually increasing, uh, making the roster better, he had to go balls to the wall. Who knows? Who knows if Ryan Ellis was hurt before they traded for him? Maybe, maybe he thought that was a risk worth taking. Uh, I think we were all happy with that move. Uh, and in the offseason, I think we were all excited for the Cam Atkinson trade, getting Voracek. At least, at least I was. Yeah, still, still am. Yeah. The um, if there was any controversial move he made, it, it was the <laughs> wrist aligning move, of course. Um, if we could just get to the playoffs, that's where wrist aligning will show his value, right? And uh, so I was having a conversation with somebody on Twitter the other day, just as a little bit off topic here, and I think. I'm at the point, and I don't. And you guys can tell me if, like, I, I would just be happy if they made the playoffs. D uh, Dave, we were talking on the, the 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 show we did earlier today. The the Minnesota Wild had an outstanding regular season, right? They're in the playoffs, and they have an absolutely dreadful matchup with the St. Louis Blues. It, in my opinion, they could beat any team, maybe aside from Calgary, in that first round. Uh, and St. Louis, and they got matched up with St. Louis, unfortunately, right? It should should Minnesota blow it up because they're not going to be able to get past the first round the last two years? No, sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. On the flip side, if you're St. Louis, I mean, you had a decent regular season and you get a cherry matchup with the Minnesota Wild, like you're licking your chops. And it's like, all right, well, we made it past the first round. We're matched up with Colorado. I think St. Louis matches up pretty decently with Colorado. All you got to do is get in, and it, it sat. So I caught I caught some crap for this a couple years ago too. Get in, and it's all about matchups, right? Like you remember, it seems forever ago now. The Flyers got into the playoffs; um, they snuck by Montreal. Who's the team that we all didn't want to play? It was the New York Islanders because they had our number, and we ended up playing them. Somehow, magically, took them to seven games. Eventually, lost though. 
I think build a team for the playoffs. It doesn't matter if you get in with 91 points. It doesn't matter if you get in with 120 points. If you're a team built for the playoffs, look at Columbus versus Tampa Bay was an example, right? John Tortorella was the coach of that team. They grinded Tampa Bay into the dirt and, and they won. It's like get in and anything can happen. If you don't get in, you don't even have a shot. So it's like, and, and selfishly, I just, I just want to watch playoff hockey. I just want to have fun again. I don't even <coughs> – if, if they get bounced in the second round, at least I had two more, weeks, two more weeks to have fun and watch the Flyers and you know f- get my hopes up and uh, ultimately be let down or whatever. But who knows? Maybe they get to the Eastern Conference Final. Maybe they sneak into the Stanley Cup like they did in uh, 2010 or whatever it was. Uh, I, just, I just miss having fun with the Flyers. I know that's very, very unpopular. Um, because it doesn't guarantee anything. But on the flip side, what is guaranteed? Like, like, so here's something that that kind of irks me a little bit, and then I'll, I'll give you guys the floor. When we when some guys talk about rebuild and tearing things down to the studs, they talk like it's a guarantee that things are going to go perfectly. Oh, well, look at the Edmonton Oilers. How long did it take them to get a guy like McDavid? Right, because I remember a guy, Niall Yakupov, who everyone was, you know, gassing up for however long. He stinks. Taylor no one... Hall didn't make it happen. <laughs> I mean, come on, like, so. Okay, I get there are different philosophies, but don't, because a lot of people do this. Don't talk to me like I'm a caveman because I don't want to do a rebuild. Because there are no guarantees that things are going to pan out the way you think they are in a rebuild. It's all chance. There are no guarantees, right? So many things have to go right. And you're taking the chance of wasting. Like, let's be realistic. Eight to ten years is probably a little bit too long. But do you want to waste three to five years watching the Flyers and potentially nothing happening again? I, I just don't want to do that. That's why I'm I'm so far anti-rebuild. That's all. No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up though. I'm, I'm not gonna call it a rebuild. All right, I'm gonna call it a reset. Or, or reload, or, you know what I mean? Or retool. Any one of those rebuzz. Re- yeah, any one of those rebuzz words when you use. Look, my, my thing is that I don't think Chuck Fletcher's the guy for the job because I don't like the way he built the Wild. Because when he was there, he built them around Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. And that Wild team didn't accomplish much of anything. So I want a guy that can come in here that can win as soon as possible. I don't want to wait a decade, right? So if this guy, if we can bring somebody in that looks at this team and goes, you know what? We need to cut off these limbs, get rid of these people. This is dead weight right here, and this is what I'm going to bring in, whether it's veteran acquisitions or draft picks, and turn it around. I obviously, I want to win the Stanley Cup next year. I don't, I don't want to wait 10 years. I, I get that. But there does need to be some kind of change. There, 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 something's wrong with the culture. Something's wrong with, with the organization. There's something wrong going on right now, and it needs a big shift, a big change. Yeah, I would agree. So, Jim, were you calling me out when you said that or if Twitter people? <laughs> no, uh, no, Twitter people. Just believe me, like, <clears throat> well, you don't you don't talk like anything is guaranteed, Jack. And like that's that's the part that that irks me because people on Twitter and I and I know it's Twitter. They're very quick to uh, make things personal and, and tell you that you're stupid for thinking this way and that way. Keyboard and, warriors, baby. Right. And it's like, wait a second. The way you're talking is is like you're guaranteeing. You're guaranteeing that the way that you think this team should be built is going to work and it's going to happen. There are 32 other teams, 31 other teams trying to do the same thing. Like what you're doing is not some crazy theory that nobody else knows about. Like everyone wants to do that. Why aren't all teams doing that? Because it doesn't always work, right? If, yeah. if, every, if every year, like I said, if Minnesota's bouncing the first round two years in a row, they're going to blow it up. They got a pretty good team. You know, it's just, uh, and I and I know I'm comparing the Minnesota Wild, who are a very good hockey team, to the Flyers, who finished fourth to last. Um, but I'm just like, the, if you look at the Flyers roster, fully healthy, like look at their defense core first and foremost. Really, uh, if Ryan Ellis is coming back healthy, let's assume that he is, because that certainly seems like that's the plan they're going with right now. And Ivan Provorov comes back refreshed after a summer off. Um, Sanheim and Ristolainen paired together again. Who who played surprisingly well together this year? Sam you- future captain of the Flyers. Wow. Um, Cam York is now on your third pairing. 
right? He takes Keith Yandel's spot, who was a minus 41 on your third pair or whatever the hell he was, which is insane when you think about that. What they, I mean, they go out and find, they bring in a veteran guy. I don't know who that guy is, but they should really focus on bringing in somebody solid, right? Um, they have the goaltender in Carter Hart, right? Maybe they bring Fiditov over. Maybe they bring Martin Jones back. I don't know. They don't have to worry about the goalie position. All they have to focus on is bringing in a coaching staff and focusing on the forwards. They need more skill in the top six, right? Because they're, they're a team filled with second, third line players, right? Focus on bringing in top six skill, more specifically top line skill, because it, Jack, you said this a couple of years ago. If you bring in a top line player, every, there's a, um, a domino effect. A guy who was playing on the top line previously is now playing on your second line. And the guy that's playing on the second line is now on your third line, right? And it creates competition throughout the lineup. There's a ripple effect. That's – I don't think – it sounds so crazy because they finished so far down in the standings. But if they can get a healthy Couturier, a healthy Ellis, and a, the right coaching staff and add to the roster, I, I think this is a playoff team. And then let's have that's, fun. Then we can start looking at matchups. That's four ifs there, Jim. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of ifs. ifs. That, that's four yeah. consecutive ifs. But but <laughs> on, on the, the counter day, side yeah. though, on the counter, like it's like okay, well, all we got to do is, it, all we got to do is stockpile draft picks. Well, then what? Yeah. Draft picks are the most overrated thing in all of sports. All <laughs> nothing is more overvalued than draft picks. Because they're fun. It's like, oh, well, we can get this guy. We can well, get it's, that it's, guy. It sells hope. It sells hope is what it sells. And that's what people like. They like to think hope. Oh, we get the, we get this draft pick. We draft this guy number two overall, number three overall. It's going to turn the whole franchise around. That's, that's what's going to happen. Right. There's no guarantees. It's all hope. ifs. There's a exactly. point. And to your as well, to a, to an extent. Um, yeah, just saying we're going to do this and get this draft pick and he's going to turn everything around. That is the the guaranteed idiotic thinking, which is not a thing. And a good example of this is, is Toronto when they originally broke it down. I remember they were all in on uh, McDavid. They were hoping to f- get the ends up with Marner. So they, you know, it wasn't too bad for them, but like they really didn't hit it big until they got Matthews. But the idea is it's not guaranteed you know, that, that they got one before the other. It wasn't guaranteed. They were going to get either one, be honest. It could have wound up just as easily with, um, I think it was Dylan Strom was in that draft. Uh, he actually went a pick before Marner, I believe, because he wound up with Dylan Strom and, you know, Patrick Laine. And I know Patrick Laine is a hell of a player, but he's no Austin Matthews. And that team's a hell of a lot different with those two players compared to Matthews and Marner. So I totally understand that aspect of it. My thing is when I look at this team, and if, say, they get Goudreau, and that not, who's that knocked down the lineup? Because right now he's only replacing Drew. He's not knocking anybody down and it's for a ton of money and you're now out of money to replace whatever other holes you have. So, I mean, I, th- and fully healthy. I think some people are already out on Ellis, even starting the season next year. I think they're already, I don't think he's here. Play. He's going, Ellis is going, I don't even think he's here next year. And now you got to, re- now you got to get a number one defenseman because Provorov ain't that. Is Provorov even here next year? What's going they both on might be going. I, yeah, they both might be going. Next What's year. going on with Konechny? Ristolainen's not doing any favors. Like, there are so many holes and what-ifs, and we don't have a system in place to cover up those holes because we don't have a co- coaching staff or something going on there that has been set in place. Locker rooms in shambles. You got different clicks all over the place and whatnot. Like, there is so much wrong with this team that if any team did need to rebuild and did need to invest in draft picks, it would be this team. And the only thing holding them back are contracts and the fact that you have heart and you have them now. And that puts – I understand, kind of understand why Fletcher had that, I don't know what we're going to do, <laughs> answer. We could go for it now. We could start to rebuild. Maybe we'll do a little bit of both. Like, it just it, – they are in the probably one of the worst spots they could be in. It, it's a real shame. Listen, Rista Lion is the closest thing to Chris Pronger the Flyers have had since Chris Pronger. The crazy thing is, like, you're not joking about that. Like, it's, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> true. He's just the closest thing we've had. Technically, it's an answer. Technically, it's a cold answer. Oh, my God. I mean, the thing is, though, the teams you mentioned, like the Maple Leafs and stuff, like, it's not like they didn't have veteran additions. Like, they brought in John Tavares. Like, you, you can't just well, back yeah, all the draft picks. You can't just back on that. Like, you need that part to blend it. 
but that's part two of it. It's not just draft picks. It's you get these kids and you, you get the veteran presence, the real veteran presence, the ones who actually are very good in the league. Well, and then you, you, and it's even then it's not a perfect recipe because nobody knows what that is, but like, then you, you move forward. Like, Minnesota, like you would never rebuild with them because they got Kaprizov. Like they don't make guys like that. He's ridiculous. You know, they added the Zuccarellas and the guys who've had the playoff runs and have helped that team along in more ways than one. In Colorado, I mean, they've been in the dance. They just got to get over the hump. But sure enough, they have the talent. They got Kadri, who's been in the dance a couple of times. They got other players as well. And they got all the talent in the world. And one of the reasons, to your point, and I'll give you this, is uh, the one of the reasons the Blues have been able to do what they do is they're perennial playoff attendees. You know, and not to mention that majority of the players have seen a couple, although they're having all sorts of random issues with that team. But they they have the veteran presence, they have the playoff experience. They've been there, and we're a team who's never, almost never been there. And it's almost like, and when you have, you got absolutely embarrassed. It doesn't even count as a playoff experience when you get destroyed no so fans I, there either was that there's no fans last time they were in the playoffs that's true and that was the only time they were successful was there was no fans it was the only time they had a playoff win you know I, series win was against is, i think i think you need the veteran acquisitions before you bring all the kids up like I, i'm a big believer that you need, yes you need people that know how to win that will set an example it, 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 it it's so understand intangibles some people overrate them too much, and other people underrate them. Like the analytics crew that's just going to tell you about all these numbers and why one player does this, one player does that, and how acquiring assets is so important, how draft picks are this, that, the other. They never take into account how important that veteran acquisition is that can show players and young kids how to win. Like one of the most understated signings in Philadelphia sports history was the John Runyon signing for the Philadelphia Eagles before they took off on that run. They brought in a guy who was going to play right tackle, who was an absolute nasty grinder who fought every snap, every play. And that's at the tone for the entire team. Like, and that's something that the flyers need something like when we bring Yager, in, when we bring Niskan in, when you bring guys in that have been there, done that and hold other people accountable, that's what you need for younger players coming into the league. That's important. Well, we, we won't disagree there. Like, that was always phase two of my ideal rebuild after selling and drafting. The idea was you're not putting it all on the kids. They've never done it before. So unless you get the next, you know, Gretzky, uh, you have to bring in these these veterans. It's a perfect mesh. It also meshes contract-wise. Before yeah. you start paying these kids like oodles of money, you have these older guys already making it on these deals and that meshes, and then you move forward. These, they pass down their knowledge. They're playing together. They're winning. They're all still good. It's before the older guys fall off. It's before the younger guys hit their real prime and start demanding those big dollars. Like that, that's the general idea of the rebuild and the restructure, the retool, whatever, however you want to call it, and, and draw it out, is to get – you take so many draft picks – so many lottery tickets rather that you hopefully hit on a few of them. And I understand it's hopefully because it's not, nothing's guaranteed a uh, part of it. An issue with this team is do I want Fletcher being that guy? No, I don't think so. And do I trust this, uh, this player development staff to develop these guys properly? That's another no. So there's, yeah. there's a lot more to it than just, you know, trade them all and start over. They got to make a lot of decisions at the top, which it seems like we thought we might see something of, and we're not. So that's very disappointing. Um, I mean, I guess we'll see, but it's not looking – well, they don't have a direction. It doesn't seem like they have much of a direction. I think ultimately they're going to try to win next year because when you look at the way the contracts are built, the resigning of Ristolainen, how what else could you possibly do? So they might have some more depth because of the young guys they brought in, but we don't really know what we have in those guys. We like what we've seen at the end of the year. Well, we liked that last year too. This year didn't go very well either. So it's it's a lot of – Purgatory, if you ask me. I don't I yeah, could they make the playoffs? Sure. But I don't see them being a team like Columbus. I don't see them being a disciplined team who can knock off a better team than they are because they do something better than that other team. Until they prove it to us, I don't see that. I don't see what they have no identity. That's another thing. Columbus had an identity. Columbus had an identity going into that series against uh Tampa, excuse me, you know, and they were able to shut things down. Like they, they played the way their, co their coach wanted them to play and they did it to a team. They had the right guys and they made it work. And even then they lost in the next round. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was a fun series, but like, would they ever really have a chance at the cup one day before I die? I like to see cup. 
think that's that's what it comes down to. Just one. I'm not asking for multiple ones. So I think there's you guys make some good points, but at the same time, there's some serious flaws with this team that I don't even think they can make the playoffs. But if they do, it's going to be ugly. Currently, their identity is that they're losers. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's, good. that's their identity. Like they make the playoffs as we're the losers. Thanks for inviting yeah. us. Yeah, they said they're just they're just losers right now. Uh, who's that's our first round opponent? Oh, uh, yeah. oh, uh, uh, the Tampa Bay, the two time defending Tampa Bay Lightning, or um, whoever wins this year. Maybe it'll be Toronto. Uh-oh. Yeah, get lit up. <laughs> well, we're uh, we hit an hour somehow, some way, pretty quickly. Believe it or not, right there. Um. We have uh, some playoff games going tonight. Why don't we real quick, we'll give our series expectations for the four games uh, tonight. Uh, so let's start with Carolina-Boston. Uh, Dave, we, we kind of did, – did you give your uh, series prediction for Carolina-Boston earlier? Yeah, we were talking on the, uh, the, sh- the pick show we did earlier. I said they had Carolina in seven. Okay. Um, and we I, I took Carolina money line tonight. They're up 4-1, so they're going to take it down, I think. Seven minutes left in the third. Jack, Carolina, Boston. How's that finish? I'm I'm gonna stick with Carolina. I was gonna say in five, but with uh, the goaltending uh, injuries, with the uh, Pasternak accidentally, just kidding, running into Ronta and him leaving the game. I'll, I'll say six. I'll say Carolina in six. Ah, I didn't know that that happened. Interesting. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, our next one: Tampa Bay versus Toronto. Let's go back to Dave. Uh, I think we talked about this earlier. I think I took. Uh... I think it's a Tampa plus one and a half, and they're up four one right now. Um, I have Tampa winning in six in the series. I have no faith in Toronto, and dropping one of the first two at home, the pressure's on them immediately going to Tampa. If Tampa, there's a good chance Tampa takes both of them uh, down in Florida. Games three and four, heads back to Toronto with the series three uh, one. They could close it out there, or they could close it out in Tampa in Game six. Wow, Jack, how do you see that one playing out? I'm actually, and I understand the Toronto hate, it's very warranted, but as a Vasilevsky owner in fantasy, I've seen that team is not the same team. Losing that third line has definitely affected them. Um, I lost a lot of close matchups, particularly a uh, a championship matchup because uh, Tampa couldn't come to task. I think Toronto finally gets over the hump, hump rather. I'm going to say Toronto in six. All right. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mentioned this earlier on, on the other show, but uh, but Tampa has a ton of mileage on them. So if this series does, the, the longer this series goes, it favors Toronto. Uh, here comes the excuses. Oh, True, could burn out. Uh, <laughs> all right, so the two later games tonight. I'm pretty su- excited to watch this one once we finish up here. St. Louis and Minnesota. St. Louis is currently up one nothing in the in the series. They shut out Minnesota four uh, nothing. Jack, who do you see winning that series? Uh, I'm going to go Minnesota in seven, and that's the one I'm the most nervous about because uh, they just did not look good in game one at all. I'm hoping that the talent sneaks through. I'd like to see Kaprizov continue in the playoffs. Um, I'm going to hope that they somehow, even if they go down 2-0, I'm hoping that they uh, they come back and pull it off. I just want it to go seven. Like I, I, lo- yeah. I love that series. I want to watch seven games of that what, one. What's it- crazy is if it does go seven, that doesn't exactly favor Minnesota. I think that favors St. Louis if it goes seven. It's going to be a bloodbath. Um, Dave, I I know we mentioned earlier, how do you see that uh, series playing out? Well, tonight's game is going to be low scoring. I took the under on this one for tonight's game. It'll be under six. Um, Minnesota, desperation sets in. Once you lose on home ice in a playoff series, you get desperate quick. So I expect Minnesota to take tonight's game. And I took Minnesota to win. I actually have Minnesota going to the uh, cup finals. So do I. And our little thing, I haven't beaten Toronto, actually. So I didn't want to say that in case you all thought I was crazy. But I feel like playoffs are always crazy, so screw it. I have have Toronto getting eliminated in the first round, but I do have Minnesota here coming out of the West. That'd be a fun cup. Toronto-Minnesota. That'd be a fun one. Different. It'd certainly be different. All right, and our last one. uh, You know what? I just remembered that I can do this. Our last one. <laughs> Los Angeles versus Edmonton. Jack, uh, Los Angeles is up one nothing in the series. How do you see that one playing out? I like Los Angeles, man. I just Mike Smith, the ageless wonder, is he? I don't think so. No. And that defense, like I'm going Los Angeles in six. Wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if they did it in five. They just, unfortunately, Edmonton just does not have enough firepower. I know, right? To overcome their woes. And I think Los Angeles is an up-and-coming team. And I think they I think they pulled this off. 
And Dave. So McDavid and Dreisaitl combined for, I believe, something like 223 points in the regular season. And the top four scorers for LA combined for just over 200. Um, but that's that's it for Edmonton. Like Edmonton has nothing else besides that. Like not a single Los Angeles King hit 70 points this year. And Edmonton had two players over 100. And I still believe LA wins this one in five. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. Like wow. I think LA, ta- I think LA wins again tonight. They're going to take both in Edmonton. And uh, like the only way they don't sweep them is if when it goes back to LA, LA trips up. It's, it's the only way. Yeah. And that's going to be a fun series too, but, but fun. It's going to be a different kind of fun from, from St. Louis, Minnesota. Like it's going to be just goals. Like, and like, we, the first game was was a lot of fun. Like Mike Smith blew that game for Edmonton, right? Dude, just uh, just bet the over on that game every single every game. Yeah, just, just bet we the saw over. Connor McDavid take it uh, full length of the ice, took it to the house. Like that's not going to be the last time we see that. But is it going to be enough? Uh, I don't think so either. I I think Los Angeles is maybe a more complete team, even without Drew Doughty. Um, it's going to be a fun one. So I'm I'm excited to watch these two late ones tonight, and. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it for this show. I mean, uh, you guys have anything you want to add in, chime in before we wrap up? I'm good, man. So, as everybody's been echoing on Twitter, it's a real pleasure to watch actually good hockey. Yes, it is. I, uh, I concur. Dave, one more time. I, I know it took a little while to get it out there, but uh, we just you just had a new episode drop. Yes. Uh, so the, the final regular season episode of HW at night, uh, Jake Crane from Crane and Company, the Daily Wires sports show. Uh, it's out there on Spotify now, YouTube, Spreaker, all those spots. Check it out. It's the, it's the like I said, last regular season episode. I have a couple things in the works. I'm trying to get set up and lined up for you guys uh, some HW at night roundtable episodes. Once I get some confirmation, I'll get that info out. All right. Very good. That's going to do it for the episode, boys and girls. So for Dave and Jack, I'm Jim. Make sure you're drinking your green stuff, take your vitamins, and uh, let's go watch some playoff hockey. Daiquiri.